out, we'll have uh, verses up for you. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 4 for a little while this morning anyway. I'm a little bit of a non-joiner. I don't know about you. When my wife came to me and said, hey, what do you think about joining together with the Foursquare Church? 21 days of prayer and fasting. Well, the fasting word just eliminated me. I know you all think I'm so spiritual. <clears throat> and... Uh, I'm kind of a non-joiner. I don't like to be pushed. I don't like anyone telling me what to do. Anyone like me? Yeah, about 90% of you. The fact that you even came to church today is a miracle. Seriously. Only the Holy Spirit got you here today. Yeah, I was here three times Tuesday night. Eating ham in the back room. Anyway, it was a lot of fun, and thank you for your prayers. I think we had just short of 1,000 people here Christmas Eve, and thank you for all your prayers. Got to share the gospel with a lot of people. It was a lot of fun, and uh, just so appreciate our worship team and, uh, you know, the effort they put into the music and everything, and it's just awesome, uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about a call to prayer, and uh, I, I think it was finally this morning where I felt the Holy Spirit calling me to prayer, and I stopped being a non-joiner on this whole 21 days of prayer and fasting thing. Uh, so uh, let me talk a little bit about a call to prayer. Uh, I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us uh, to prayer, and I'm excited. I, I really am. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about a foundation for prayer in the Bible. Uh, we're gonna, then we're going to talk just briefly about uh, fasting and, and how to do that and just some, a way to think about it a little bit. So... Hopefully that'll be helpful. Uh, we're in Genesis 4. Um, you know, I don't know if you read through the Bible in a year. Uh, if you do, you always start in Genesis. And, you know, chapter 1 and 2 is a creation story. It's awesome. Uh, chapter 3 is the fall of man, of course, when sin enters the world. And that's not so good. Um, <laughs> Genesis chapter 4 is where Cain kills Abel. And we see the consequences of sin in the soul of uh, men and women, how it begins to work its way out and the grief that, you know, comes along with that. And, you know, if you read it carefully, G Genesis chapter 4 through 6, there's this rapid falling away of mankind from God. They're turning their back on God and going in another direction, pursuing happiness and satisfaction in life, totally eliminating God from their lives. There's a blindness to God because, of course, uh, sin brought that blindness uh, into the world. And uh, something happens here that's so powerful. Uh, so after Abel's death, it says in verse 25 of Genesis uh, chapter 4, it says, Adam lay with his wife again. Uh, she gave birth to a son named Seth, uh, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time... Uh, men begin to call on the name of the Lord. It's interesting to me at that time. Mark's a very important place in the history of all mankind. Uh, more important than the uh, discovery of fire or the wheel, uh, some ancient things. Uh, more important than the discovery of the computer, internet, cell phone. Uh, this marks the beginning of faith marks the beginning of collective religion, if you want to use that term, recorded in the Bible. Verse 26, 
Uh, at that time, men and women, it's all mankind, began to call on the name of the Lord. That's the heart of faith, religion, if you want to call it that. Didn't start with Abraham, uh, the nation of Israel. Didn't start with him. Didn't start with Moses, the Ten Commandments. Didn't start with Solomon and the building of the temple. Uh, didn't start with uh, Jesus and the disciples in the New Testament. Start with Enosh, son of Seth. When men and women begin to call on the name of the Lord. Now, we're not sure what was happening during this time. Remember, sin is into the world, so there's a fall. We don't know whether it affected uh, the ecosystem. In a way, it was dramatic. There was no water, maybe. Uh, crops dying. Maybe there was no food. And they felt they needed God's help. Um, we don't know. Maybe, maybe um, the moral climate of culture had fallen so far. You know, if you get clear to Genesis chapter 6, it, it talks about how God was, was grieved that he had made man because of the moral condition of mankind. He had fallen so far. And uh, uh, so there was a, a rapid movement away from God. Uh, and uh, so it, it could have been that people were just appalled with what was taking place. Um, and, and as a result of that, they began to turn back to God. But this is a supernatural thing. Um, uh, it, it could have been that uh, the, the grandparents of Enosh, actually it would be the great-grandparents of Enosh, would have been Adam and Eve. And of course, they lived a long time uh, before they actually physically died. But uh, it could have been that you know, they were out camping, Gerber Reservoir, you know, catching some crappie. Back in the day, that's what I did with my granddad. Could have been that they were around the campfire and Adam and Eve talked about walking with God in the cool of the evening. Talked with what it was like when things were perfect. It could have been that there's just a, as a result of that, there's supernatural stirring in their heart. God, bring us back to you. We need you. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what it was. Uh, but what we do know, without Bibles, without choirs, without church buildings, uh, organ music, just instinct from the Holy Spirit, they begin to call on God. And as a result, of course, they begin to counteract the ungodly influence in culture. They begin to call on the name of the Lord to turn people's hearts back, back to them. And a God began to move across the land. It's interesting if you look at the word call in the Hebrew language in verse 26, if you look at the word call, it actually develops over the Old Testament. It, the word actually has th a threefold meaning. Uh, the, the word call initially here in, in Genesis chapter 4 simply means to cry out or to request help from another. To, here's, here's the definition, okay? To enunciate a specific request to a specific party for a specific answer, okay? Calling on the Lord. Uh, but, but later, it, it, be, it began to mean to praise the Lord. When we call upon the Lord, it's like we know he's going to answer, so we begin to praise him in advance. That, that's actually what the word began to mean. And, and that's the way David used it in, in 2 Samuel 22, verse 4. He, he says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. It's just that simple. Call on the Lord. Here he comes. <laughs> I love that. Uh, later, uh, it, it, it began to mean to publish abroad. Uh, in other words, we call, we worship, knowing he's going to answer, and then we tell. Uh, 
it, it's, it's the foundation. This word is kind of the foundation for faith, calling on the Lord. It's the, found, it's the only religion the people of God have ever known, Old Testament or New Testament. Okay, no Methodist, no Baptist, no Foursquare. Okay, it's the only religion of the people of God throughout history. I call, he answers, I praise him, and I tell the world what he has done. Calling on the Lord. Call, worship, tell. Could we say it together? Call, worship, tell. That is the foundation for faith uh, throughout, throughout the Bible. <laughs> they called out to the Lord and he answered. Moses understood this basic principle. He talks about it in Exodus chapter 3, verse 9. Uh, remember when God saved Israel out of Egypt, it says, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, this is what the Lord says, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. They called out to the Lord and he answered. Now, sad that they waited 400 years. Isn't it? I mean, they were enslaved you for 400 years. How bad does it have to get till you call on the Lord? It's interesting. We kind of use, uh, you know, prayer as kind of a spare tire, only there in case of emergency. Sometimes it's a little flat when we get to it. But, you know, it's interesting how, well, I guess all we can do now is pray. It's kind of, what is that? I mean, does that... We sing songs like, how great is our God, and then prayer, we don't even do it. It's interesting how we talk about God. I just don't know if we know him. We talk about him. We argue about faith and what we should believe and what we shouldn't believe. I don't even know if we know him. The only way we know him is to call on him, to, to know him, to have him come, to have him reveal himself to experience his power. And I know I'm making noise, Scott, but I can't change me. Is it just because it's rubbing? I shaved. Sometimes it'll rub on my chin. Sorry. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, Moses prepares to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And verse 7 uh, he says, this is what distinguishes us. This is what distinguishes Israel among all the nations of the earth. Verse 7. Uh, what other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Don't you love that? God is near when you pray. What nation, what people is so great when we call on the Lord, he's near us, his power to save. He answers. Basically, what Moses says is, what makes us great is not our chariots, it's not our horses, it's not our spears, our swords. It's the way God draws near to us when we call, when we draw near to God. There's no other nation like our God. Uh, no other God like our God. He distinguishes us among all the people of the earth. Now, the Bible gives story after story when Israel was in trouble and they called on the Lord and he, he powerfully came to rescue and save and heal. And of course, you can read all those in the Old Testament. Uh, story after, in fact, when they didn't call on the Lord, he'd send them trouble so they would call on the Lord. <laughs> Actually, they got in trouble because they weren't calling on the Lord and they got into trouble. Isn't it interesting? 
When your prayer life suffers, your faith suffers. When you're not praying, it's amazing how you drift spiritually. When you're, if you're a person right now who doesn't have a lot of vision in your life, it's because you're not praying. Uh, you know, we go through dry seasons in our life, uh, and, 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 and when we don't pray, it, it's, it's like, we, God, where are you? Well, uh, it, it's our faith. You know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything will be answered to you. Uh, uh, everything will be given to you. Uh, there's something about passion in pursuing him and putting him first. And when we lose that, we drift. It's just our nature. I drift. It's just our, our nature. Uh, David understood this basic principle of calling on the Lord. Call, worship, and then tell the world. Uh, when he wrote uh, the first psalm, uh, when he became king of Israel, after he became king, Psalms 105, verse 1, he says, uh, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Call, worship, tell. There it is again. That's religion in the Bible. And it's basic to, to, to our faith. Uh, it's not complicated, by the way. <laughs> why, why is this important? Because sometimes we wonder, what would it take for God to move in the day we live? What would it take to see revival? What would it take to change uh, our, our, the direction of our nation. What, 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 would it, what would it take? It's not complicated. Call, worship, tell. That's the, the religion, if you want to call it that, of every move of God throughout history. You know that every denomination started with a revival. There, there was a man, and there became a core of people around that person that called on the Lord. They sought the Lord. They sought his presence. I feel like every movement of God gives us a glimpse of God's character and his nature in a distinct way. Every move of God started when people prayed. And the power of God brought birth to something new on the earth. Uh, so powerful. Um, how will people know the Lord lives? How, how will people know the Lord is real if we don't pray? If we don't experience his power and his presence, how will we have a testimony to declare who the Lord is to, to, the, to the world around us? Call, worship, tell. It's, it's as simple as one plus one is two kind of thing. How many know the Lord lives? How many have experienced his power and his love, his healing? Hallelujah. First uh, Kings chapter 8, if you brought a Bible, you could flip there real quick. Calling on God is uh, basic to his nature. When we call, he answers. And uh, I'm going to read some verses that, this is Solomon's prayer when he dedicated the temple in the Old Testament. And he, 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 he goes back to some promises that Moses made for the people of Israel. I don't think it's to remind God of his promises. I think it's to remind Solomon and, and the people of Israel of God's promise. So First uh, Kings 8 uh, beginning verse 33, we'll let, take a look at part of Solomon's prayer. It says, uh, when your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, uh, when they turn back to you and confess your name, praying and making supplication to you in this temple, uh, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel. Bring them back to the land 
you gave to their fathers. Verse 35, and when the heavens are shut up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, and when they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive their sin, the sin of your servant, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land. You gave your people as an inheritance. One more section here in his prayer. Uh, When famine or plague comes to the land, or blight or mildew, locusts, grasshoppers, uh, even an enemy besieges them in any of their cities. Whenever disaster or disease may come, when a prayer or plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one aware of the afflictions of his own heart and spreading out his hands toward the temple. Back then, the presence of God was in the temple and, of course, they would turn toward Israel and they would reach out their hand toward the temple. God, we need your healing power. We need your presence. Aren't you thankful his presence is in us now? And when we gather together in his name, we're two or more gathered, he's there. And so when we're worshiping this morning, his presence, the most important thing we could ever experience together. Verse 39, then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act, deal with each man according to all he does since you know his heart, for you alone know the hearts of all men. Uh, So they will fear you all the time they live in the land you gave our fathers. Just this reminder that if we call on the Lord, he hears our prayers, basic to his nature. He's like a father who can't say no to those kids. I don't know how many of you were like that when you were a parent. I'm still like that as a grandparent, but I uh, realize boundaries are important, and you know that. But uh, in fact, God doesn't always give us exactly what we want. In fact, I'll put this up on the screen for you. We don't always get the answer we want, but he will never fail to give us his presence. When we call upon him, he'll never fail to give us his presence. His heart is moved with compassion for us. Calling on the Lord is basic to his nature and him answering Calling on the Lord is basic to godliness. Psalms uh, chapter 4 verse 3 uh, says, Know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. You know, the definition of a godly man in the Bible is a man or woman who calls on the Lord, calling out to God. Uh, David called on the Lord morning, noon, and evening. We see that in the book of Psalms. Daniel, of course, prayed three times a day, and it got him thrown into the lion's den. Uh, but he wasn't going to stop praying. Uh, Paul admonished the church to pray without ceasing. And of course, there's that, that learning how to walk in the Spirit with a sense of the Lord's presence. There's that praying throughout the day as you, as you go. You don't stop everything to pray. You pray as you go, uh, praying without ceasing. Uh, one of the signs to me of healthy spiritual life, when I'm around people and you share something, the first thing they want to do is pray for you. That's a sign of healthy spiritual life. You know the sign of a healthy church spiritually is not how many people come on Christmas Eve. That can be entertainment. Okay, and and, and we have a culture that's addicted to entertainment. That could just be what they wanted to do on Christmas Eve. Uh, You know, I'm not diminishing people coming, but uh, the sign of a healthy church is when you have a prayer meeting, everyone comes. Can you imagine? Everyone came. You had a prayer meeting. Just couldn't wait to get there. Got 2,000 people in here praying and worshiping, seeking God. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, that's the sign of a healthy, healthy spiritual life. When there's a prayer meeting, you can't wait to get there. Uh, 
Calling on the Lord is basic for salvation. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call on him today, regardless of your situation or circumstance, if you call on him today, I promise he hears and he will answer. It's basic to his nature. His mercy is available to everyone who calls. And one of my, my favorite scriptures uh, for calling on the Lord. In fact, this is the Lord's phone number. If you want to put in a speed dial on your cell phone. Jeremiah 33.3. Okay, 3.3.3. Uh, Call to me and I will answer and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. You know, God said that through Jeremiah almost 700 years before Jesus was born. During a terrible time in their history. And yet the Lord said, call Call to me and I will answer and show you great and unsearchable. Who would have thought a virgin would have a baby? Who would have thought that angels would appear to shepherds or a star to wise men? I mean, who would have thought? Call to me and I will answer and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Can I tell you who a spiritual person is? A spiritual person sees in their spirit what God is doing. And they direct and orient their life toward that. Their life is not pulled this way or that way by pursuit of personal things. Personal things matter. You got to provide, you got to care, you got to take care of yourself. A spiritual person hears the heart of God and they reorient their life toward what God is saying, what, what God is doing. You know, there are so many practical things we struggle with. Conflicts in relationships or conflicts within a community. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, if you're passionate for Jesus, if he's your first love, it'll solve most of your problems. It just will because you'll be following, you'll be pursuing God. There'll, there'll be something in your spirit that this other stuff doesn't matter. It's, it's God and his presence and his word to you that, that, that you pursue. It makes all the difference in the world. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And uh, in Matthew 16, verse 19, Jesus said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. God intentionally has limited his working to your prayers. God has an intentionally limited his working on earth to answering your prayers. To people getting saved, uh, the direction of this nation really is dependent upon the church's response to him and our prayers. What will change history, what will change his story in your life will be what you do uh, in response to prayer. Because Jesus said, I give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I know. I know what life is like. Trust me. I've got feet of clay just like you do. And I know what goes on in families. And I, I, know, I know what goes on. But I believe that prayer is the key. Prayer is the key to breaking through, to tearing down strategies of the enemy. You know, do you know that every person in the world... If they're not following Jesus, they're following a strategy of the enemy, a thought pattern that they picked up. Maybe it started at a young age. It was reinforced. It may be in school 
or in college or wherever, and they start following that mental strategy for their life. And sometimes those become demonic strongholds. The Bible says the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. They become demonic strongholds. They think you're crazy that you know Jesus or you love Jesus or you believe in Jesus. What tears down those strongholds? In 2 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't argue with people to get them saved. They're not carnal. They're mighty through God through the, for the pulling down of strongholds. We take every thought captive, making it obedience to Christ. And pray and prayer. That's, that's the work of the kingdom. And, and uh, as you're praying for loved ones, the purpose of this uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting is, is, is for us to restore our vision for the harvest. That, that's the heart behind it. Because we get weary, you get tired, and as a result, we start to drift and slip away. I know the church has a tendency to become comfortable. Yeah, I'm going to heaven, hallelujah. Sorry for those suckers. That's the love of Jesus, isn't it? Yeah, we're just kind of, we're, we're self, our nature is selfish. And, and, and so we just kind of drift and we get by. And The Lord's calling us to pray. I'm not quite sure how that's going to work out for you. I've got so many notes here, I've got to throw some away. I'm always overprepared. <laughs> that's just the way it is. We should talk a little bit about fasting, okay? Uh, obviously, I'm very concerned about you uh, checking out with that word. Not for me. And and I understand that. Um, I think most of us are familiar with the idea of fasting. By the way, it's very popular right now. You read any exercise magazine, they talk about fasting. Any self-help articles now, mental alertness, they're talking about fasting, benefiting that. Uh, It's interesting. There's kind of a fad right now. You know how we go through fads with food and diets and uh, anyway there's kind of a fad right now in our culture about fasting there's a lot of talk about it and uh, that's not what we're talking about here okay <laughs> throw that out I don't care whether you read them that's great but um, fasting is a biblical principle we see it a lot uh, in the scripture uh, I think all of us know that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness and during that time 40 days he fasted uh, and then he became hungry. <laughs> I would have been hungry in one, you know. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to die in 24 hours if I, I fast. Um, anyway, Jesus, uh, so Jesus was uh, led by the Spirit, and he fasted for 40 days. It's recorded in Matthew 4 and in Luke chapter 4. Daniel fasted for 21 days just because God had given him a vision of the end times, okay? He had different rulers. He saw this vision. I'll let you read it in the book of Daniel. So he fasted for 21 days to try to hear God and know the timing of the last day's events. Uh, A picture of passion for God to to seek guidance or direction or or, or insight into the future. Daniel fasted 21 days. Nehemiah, remember before he went before the king uh, so that he could go back to Israel and rebuild the walls? Remember that? He fasted. In fact, uh, for some period, of, uh, up to about 40 days, we're not sure how he fasted or what ways he fasted, a variety of ways to fast. 
But uh, Nehemiah fasted before he went to the king for favor uh, to rebuild the walls. Jehoshaphat, remember that great story? Uh, three kings come against him. He doesn't know what to do. In fact, I love his prayer. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And he called the whole nation of Israel to fast. And in that time, that was a 24-hour fast. Uh, they were fasting and seeking God for help and direction. You remember uh, one of the prophets, after they had fasted for 24 hours, the next day one of the prophets said, don't be afraid. The battle is not yours, but God's. Jehoshaphat said, yes. That's what the Lord is saying. So remember, he sent the choir out before the army, and they were singing before the army. Can you imagine taunting the other, the enemy? Give thanks to the Lord as love endures forever. That was all as a result and a response to the people of God seeking and praying and fasting for uh, a short period of time. Uh, there are ways to not fast, and King Saul, who's a, a, an example of a lot of things not to do, um, it, it, he's a great example of how not to fast. Uh, remember, uh, yeah, somewhere in the Bible, Old Testament, they're fighting the Philistines, and uh, he, he told his whole army to fast. He was kind of stupid. <clears throat> yeah, uh, King Saul was kind of a religious guy. He didn't really know the Lord. He tried a lot of religious things. Didn't work. Because uh, he didn't have the right heart. It, for him, fasting was more of a religious thing. I'm trying to get God's favor. I'm trying to do something to make God happy here so that he'll bless me. That's called works. That's religion. And that's works. And if, you're, if, if you feel like God's calling you to fast and you're looking at your watch about every 15 minutes thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, that is not the right motivation, okay? If this becomes, I've got to do this because I'm afraid God will be mad at me, that's called works. You add anything to grace, and it's works. Add anything to grace, anything, even fasting. That's works. You can't, you can't do that. It'll kill you. It'll ruin your faith. And that was kind of King Saul. He just didn't get it. Uh, it has to be with a right motivation in your heart. Uh, can I tell you the purpose of fasting for me? It's to intensify prayer. And I'll put it up on the screen because I, I want you to remember this. This is what's important about fasting. The purpose of fasting for me is to intensify my prayer. Okay, so when I, when I decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip breakfast this morning because I just feel like I need to seek God. It's about passion for God. It's not a religious exercise. It's to know God and know his heart. And then when I'm hungry, how many of you when you skip breakfast, you're a little bit hungry? Okay, you're not going to die, but you know, you're a little bit hungry. That reminds me of why I'm doing it, because I love Jesus, and I'm seeking him. So it's about passion for him. It reminds me to pray when my stomach growls. Lord, thank you for reminding me to pray. We have passion for a lot of things. Wouldn't it be great to have more passion for Jesus? Wouldn't it be great to maybe deal with some of the other passions you have and put them aside to, to increase your passion for Jesus? I don't know how this works completely. I'm not an expert on fasting. Uh, who wants to? You know, I don't. Uh, so I'm not an expert on this. Um, but, but Jesus said this. Remember, he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He came down, and this father had brought his son who had a spirit. And uh, 
this spirit had thrown his son into the fire, had thrown him into the water, trying to kill him. It was a spiritual attack on his son, trying to kill him. Have you ever thought that maybe one of your kids is going through a spiritual attack? A demonic attack? That's concerning for a parent. This father was concerned for his child. So he brought him, apparently still young enough, he could tell him what to do. It's about four. But anyway, I think in Israel it might have been eight or nine. <laughs> anyway, so he brought his son and it wanted Jesus to cast out the demon. Well, Jesus is up on the mountain. I mean, where, God's never there when you need him. He's up on the mountain and uh, his disciples couldn't cast out the demon. Remember that story? And, and by the way, they had, they had delivered people from demons by then. They'd healed people. Remember he sent them out two by two? They did all this ministry. So this, they're not, you know, this is not new to them. But they couldn't cast that demon out. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He said, when, when can I get out of this unbelieving generation? It's kind of like, I'm done. Oh, I'm frustrated. And uh, anyway, so he cast the demons out. Done. Oh, Lord, next time I'm in that situation, would you just come do it for me? Anyway, um, so his disciples, because they, they're sincere, afterwards they pull Jesus aside and say, Jesus, why, why, uh, why, didn't, why, why couldn't we deliver that little boy? And Jesus said, only some come out. Some only come out by prayer and fasting. interesting, isn't it? Some only come out by prayer and fasting. And or there's something happening in your faith when you fast. Something about your passion that, that is strengthened. Something about your authority over your body. I remember a pastor, older pastor, another generation, told me one time, he said, if you don't have authority over your body, you'll never have authority in the spirit. You don't have authority over your body. You'll never have authority in the spirit. Gosh, that bothered me. It challenged me. We do need to have authority over our body. We need to have self-control. Fruit of the spirit is self-control. Could anyone say amen? I'm not preaching legalism here or anything, but it's just there's something about prayer and fasting that brings breakthrough that will come no other way. And so when I put those things together... And I know the president of this church family that's quite large around the world feels like the Spirit is calling us to a season of prayer and fasting. The non-joiner <laughs> who loves to argue with his wife occasionally, you're not telling me what to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I said, Lord, I got to press into this. I got to find out what you're saying. Now, I've been on Christmas break here, okay? I'm not super spiritual during Christmas break and so I haven't prayed about this a lot but my spirit was awakened this morning as I started thinking about leading us as a congregation through this I really believe I really believe breakthrough will come in many lives if we'll set ourselves to seek God to pray and fast I don't fasting can be a variety of different things one of the things I felt the spirit tell me to do Every night about 9 o'clock, I'll tell my wife, okay, I'm going to go up and watch Scott Van Pelt on Sports Center, Get all the highlights for the day, okay? 
I just feel like he wants me to lay that aside for 21 days and pick up my Bible. I'm going to pick a couple of Old Testament books that I haven't read in a long time, and I'm going to read those and just pray instead of Scott Van Pelt. I won't know what the Lakers are doing. Bummer, you know, for 21 days. <laughs> Yeah, so, so I won't be totally in tune with the sports world, um, but hopefully I'll be a little bit more in tune with the spirit and, and what he's saying. So that's one of the ways. I'll probably take some time. Uh, you know, it, it could be just a, a breakfast. Maybe I'll do that one day a week for three weeks. It's 21 days, three weeks. Maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do a 24-hour fast. I don't, haven't really decided yet. But fasting is a lot of different things. Sometimes you have dietary reasons where fasting is challenged for you, diabetic or whatever. That's, your medical health is super important. God cares about you. Do not fast because you're afraid you won't please God. Please, that is the wrong motivation. It's the wrong motivation, okay? If, if, if you want to fast and you're a diabetic, then I, I'd ask your doctor about it. Sometimes there's partial fast you can go on. Remember Daniel? He went on a partial fast. He didn't want the king's food, all the rich meat and wine and stuff that the king was going to serve. He said, nah, we'll just take vegetables and water. It was a partial fast. He didn't want to get addicted to what the world had to offer and then, I don't want to lose this, so I better do what the king says. He wanted to be able to hear God and obey God and never obey the king over God. He wanted to keep his heart right. Does that make sense? So he ate vegetables and water. It was a partial fast. You might need to fast with food in a partial way, eat something healthy, uh, fruit and vegetables or whatever, so that you have the right balanced nutrition uh, for maybe a day or two days or maybe a week. I don't know. I can tell you this. If it's different than what you normally eat, your body's going to scream bloody murder. Tell you, you're killing me. Ow! If, if you eat less than normal, you're going to hate yourself. But sometimes you could just eat a little less and eat healthy and, uh, and still feel like you want something else. And that's your reminder. Remember, uh, fasting is, is to help increase your passion in prayer to, to, to pursue God. So there are a lot of different ways you can pursue this. There's... A lot about fasting online. Please uh, take a look at it. Um, done a lot of 24-hour fasts, and that's great. I think they're great. I've not done many longer fasts than that. I did a three-day fast once, um, and uh, I just fasted from a Thursday night. I was hanging sheetrock back then, so uh, Friday I, you know, worked like normal and. It wasn't too hard, didn't see because my heart, you know what I wanted to do? I fasted because someone told me, if you want to hear God, if you want to get closer to recognizing his voice in the spirit, fast, fast for three days, see what happens. So I, I said, I'll try it. Um, fasting was part of the culture in Israel. It was common. Uh, first of all, they didn't have a lot to eat. It's not common in our culture because we're used to eating. <laughs> Could someone say hallelujah? Uh, so, so be careful be careful but I, I went ahead and tried a three day fast and it wasn't really that hard um, first 24 hours you know, were kind of the normal and then the next 24 hours I wasn't hungry at all 
I did, had no desire to eat a thing uh, the second day. Third day, I literally thought, why would I ever want to eat? I mean, literally, I was so free. It was like, God, your presence is so close to me. How could I ever trade this for a meal? I'm serious. That, that is how close I... I'm not encouraging you to do a three-day fast. Okay, I, I just, I'm just saying that's what my experience was. So, you know, it's, it's up to you. And you, Moderation, start simple. If you go on more than a one-day fast, I encourage you to do some research. Learn how to eat before you go on it because you need uh, some... By the way, they ate healthier back in Israel. Uh, and, and so they didn't have all the toxins and things we have in our bodies that make us crave food. And because they ate healthier... Uh, they went without food far more often. It didn't affect them like migraines and you know, headaches we get from not having coffee, those kind of things. We have a lot of toxins in our body. I'm sounding like a health professor here, and I don't know anything. Sorry about that. But we do have a lot of toxins in our body. And so be careful. If you go on a longer fast, make sure you prepare for it properly with lots of fruits and vegetables. Read online, and then come off of it correctly, because I promise you from experience... It's going to hurt your stomach when you start eating again. If you don't start out with juices and fruit and prepare your body for having food in it, your stomach again. So careful with that. Have I said enough? You're done. All right. Why don't you lay your stuff aside and I'll, uh, I'll have the worship team come on out. Call, worship, pray. Oh, excuse me. Call, worship, tell. Okay. Why don't, you, why don't you grab somebody's hand? I want to end a little different here. I'm asking you to take a hand because we're very individualistic in our culture. And uh, we don't really believe we're connected to a whole group of people. We don't see the world that way. We're self-made men and women. We're self-sufficient we don't see ourselves as needing other people. But you're connected. We're connected as a church family with 33,000 churches in Brazil. And hundreds and thousands in every other country of the world. I think four squares in 70 countries. Fairly small denomination. Uh, we're one of about, well, probably only less than 20,000 here in the United States, four square churches. Foursquare was really started as more of an evangelistic uh, movement um, back in the uh, early 1900s. So the focus was reaching the world with the gospel, not necessarily the United States. And so much larger around the world. I remember a few years ago when Brazil, their goal was to pioneer, plant 1,000 new churches in Brazil uh, one year. And they reached their goal. It was pretty, pretty exciting. So... Um, I'm having you hold hands to remind you that you're connected, not only to the person next to you, but you're connected to believers around the world. And uh, there's going to be power, power. Other people are going to be praying for your life, your kids, our city, our nation. Oh, Lord, we need so much help. We're, we're in a desperate, desperate situation. So Jesus... Here this morning, I want to thank you for calling us to prayer. Uh, Lord, I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like for me other than the thing I long for 
is to hear a voice. And so, uh, Lord, thank you for helping us. Thank you for helping us hear your voice during this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Lord, I want to know you more this year. That's my heart's desire. And I thank you for helping me and all of us with that. In Jesus' name. Could we all say amen today?